Excellent. Why I'm going to be sharing from Hosea, Hosea chapter 4. This is on page 891 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. 891. So I'm going to be reading Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. I know as I've been as I've been praying through and preparing and working through this series in Hosea, I remember when I was in Sunday school, our Sunday school teacher, she would often ask us, what Bible character did we most think we were like? What Bible character? I remember when I was young, a lot of us would say, David, David and Goliath, David, just to prep, or some would say the Apostle Paul, when he was out there sharing the gospel, or we would often pick the most wonderful characters in the Bible. But as I've been working through Hosea, I think I've found the one that I am the most, I can relate the most to. And it is Gomer. Gomer. Thanks be to God that God shows us His heart in Hosea. Hosea. So let's read Hosea chapter 4, starting at verse 1. We'll read verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who lived in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing and lying and murder, stealing and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land mourns, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea are dying. But let no man bring a charge. Let no man accuse another. For your people are like those who bring charges against a priest. You stumble day and night, and the prophets stumble with you. So I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I also will ignore your children. The more the priests increase, the more they sin against me. They exchange their glory for something disgraceful. They feed on the sins of my people. And relish their wickedness. And it will be like people, like priests. I will punish both of them for their ways. And repay them for their deeds. Let us go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your scriptures. Perfect, breathed out by you. Infallible, sufficient, trustworthy. Father, we pray that you'll guide us in your word. Guide us in your truth. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, give us discernment and wisdom that we may know your truth and be set free. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. Amen. God does not send his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into the world because things are going so well, He wants His Son just to be able to enjoy how good things are. That is not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is about things being so bad, so broken, so wrong, And a God who is holy and just and so loving that He would send His only begotten Son into a world where there is so much pain, so much brokenness, so much sin, so much disobedience, where things are so dark that He sends His only begotten Son as the light. And this light, the darkness will not overcome. The darkness has not understood. The darkness will not be victorious over this light. That's what Christmas is about. That no matter how dark things are because of the fall, because of sin, because of rebellion, because of God's holy and just judgment coming against all of us who are born in condemnation, there is a light and there is a way out of the darkness. And that is Jesus Christ. So we come to Hosea chapter 4. And Hosea chapter 4 is one of the strongest, most condemning passages in Hosea. But in it we see where the foundation is laid for the most wonderful, glorious proclamation of the gospel. So as we look through Hosea chapter 4 verses 1 through 9, Again, I encourage you, if you'd like to, there's an outline on the back of your bulletins that you can use to help follow along. And there are different scripture references there that I'll be referring to just to help you follow along the different passages. So we see where this begins with, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Twice in this passage, this truth is lifted up. It begins with this, that there is no faithfulness or steadfast love of the people of God. And why is that? Because at the center of this passage, it says this in verse 6. This is the central focus 
of Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And what is the central focus of this? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. For lack of knowledge. Because of deception, because of darkness, people are wandering blind. They can't see. They can't hear. They do not have hearts that can understand the truth of God. And they are wandering blind. They are wandering in the darkness because of lack of knowledge. They do not have the truth. They do not have the gospel. They do not have God. So it's a beautiful thing. Even though it is a word of judgment and a strong word, we see where chapter 4 begins with hear. This is the proclamation of the prophet. Hear the word of the Lord. That is the hope. That is the hope. Remember how Romans makes very clear. It is through the proclamation of the word, through the gospel being lifted up, through Jesus Christ being proclaimed, that we are sinners and we are under condemnation and we deserve judgment. Yet God so loved the world that he sends his son to take on our flesh, to take the sin of those who will believe in him, to take on our our rebellion so that we can receive his righteousness jesus takes the wrath of god that we deserve so that we can receive peace and forgiveness and grace so that's the gospel and just as hosea 4 begins we are to proclaim that gospel Not only in action, but in word, we speak that gospel. We lift that gospel up, knowing that the only way anyone is saved is by that gospel coming and them hearing that gospel and the Holy Spirit giving them ears to hear so that they can hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit gives them hearts that can receive and minds to understand And the Holy Spirit makes them alive so that they can believe and trust and hold to that gospel as everything. As everything. It's one thing when you're standing on a boat in stormy seas and someone says, oh, there's a railing along the side of the boat. It's one thing when it's calm and you don't pay much attention. It's another thing when the boat is nearly sideways and you are going over and then you become very aware of that railing as you hold on to it, dangling over the edge. So Hosea here is proclaiming. He is lifting up, hear, hear the word of the Lord Because it is the word of God that is the light that will lead us out of the darkness into life. So we see three key things in this passage of 1 through 9. The first one is where we see God is is speaking to the people because they have forsaken or forgotten God's commandments. The second one is they have forsaken or forgotten God himself. 
But the third one is this. Even though the priests of the people of God had turned away from God's truth, even though the prophets had turned away from God's truth, and even though the kings have turned away from God's truth, God in His faithfulness, in His love, in His glory, is going to raise up the priest, the prophet, and the king. And that's the hope. And that's the gospel proclamation that is being prepared throughout the entire book of Hosea. So first we look at this first point that the people of God, they have forsaken and forgotten God's commandments. And we're going to go back to the beginning on this. We're going to go back to 1 Kings chapter 12. So I encourage you to go to 1 Kings chapter 12. And here is the beginning of the downfall of Israel. And we see that this is the foundation for all the idolatry, all the disobedience, all the brokenness of Israel, all starts here at the beginning. So 1 Kings chapter 12, starting at verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. Remember you had David and David had a son, Solomon. And Solomon was king, and then Solomon had a son. But God had told Rehoboam that he was going to take away the ten northern tribes, which would become Israel, from him. And he would only have Judah. So we see this judgment takes place. So this is what has happened. So verse 27, this is the fear of Jeroboam. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord. Already we have a problem there. What's the problem with that statement by Jeroboam? That they will turn again to their Lord. There is no their Lord. There is only the Lord. So you already see the problem. We've already got the problem for Israel. That they will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king took counsel. Where was his counsel? It wasn't with God. It wasn't with God's law. It wasn't with the priests. It wasn't with the temple. It wasn't with the prophets. He took counsel with the world. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. Here we go. We're going all the way back. All the way back to after God had freed his people from Egypt. And they are free and they're out there. And Moses is too long on the mountain. And what happens to poor Aaron? 
All he did was he threw some gold into the fire and what came jumping out? A golden calf. A golden calf. That's how Aaron told it. So the golden calf. So here we're going all the way back to that first unfaithfulness and idolatry of the people of Israel. And here Jeroboam is leading Israel, the northern kingdoms, into that same idolatry. So the kingdom took counsel and made two calves of gold. And he said to the people, this is verse 28, You have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Worshiping the one true God and going to God's temple and being obedient to his commands and his law. That's old. That's the wrong side of history. On the right side of history, how we're going to do it now, is this. So Jeroboam says to him, verse 28, Behold your gods. Better be a little G in your Bibles. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. There it is. Takes them back to the golden calf. Not Yahweh. Not the I am who I am. Not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, he takes them back to the golden calf. Verse 29. And he set up Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. So those are where he puts the two golden calves. Then this thing became a sin. Understatement. For the people went as far as Dan to be before one. Verse 31, he also made temples on the high places and appointed priests from among all the people who were not the Levites. That's the key. So there's no regard for God's command, no regard for God's law. Verse 32, and Jeroboam appointed a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah, and he offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did in Bethel. I can almost, I, it's almost too hard for me to read it. So he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he made. He went up to the altar that he had made in Bethel on the 15th day in the 8th month. In the month that he had devised from his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the people of Israel and went up to the altar to make offerings. That is how Israel, the northern tribes, began. So is it any surprise that we are seeing in Hosea, in Hosea chapter 4, it's speaking about their end. That they're going to be taken to captivity. That they're going to be destroyed. Why? Because of their idolatry. Because of their disregard for God's commands. And because rather than obeying God, they did everything according to their own heart's desire and they worship the things of their own hands. It's exactly what Jeroboam did 
and what king after king after king did and what so many false priests that Jeroboam had set up and what so many false prophets that worked with the false kings continued to perpetuate disobedience and idolatry, disobedience and idolatry. So that's the foundation. So when we hear these words of Hosea, we say, oh, these words are so strong and are so harsh. But ultimately what we see from Hosea is God making clear that his people have forsaken him. That they have rebelled against him. That God's people have said to God, God, I'd rather have all this rather than you. I'd rather have my will than your will. I'd rather do things how I want them done rather than do things as you say they must be done. And ultimately, we see that what's happened to the people of Israel is this. It isn't so much that they're worshiping golden calves. It's that they have become gods over their own lives. And they worship their own sinful desires and pleasures. Remember when we went through Genesis, what was one of the main themes, one of the main points that we kept lifting up is this. God is God and we are not. Remember that statement? But here we see the confusion brought in here. So as you go through Hosea 9, you see this, and you see this stated in verse 1. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. Remember verse 6, the focus was, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And here we see that in verse 1. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. And how do we see that illustrated by the prophet Hosea? It's this. Verse 2 goes through a litany of how the people of God are, have broken the Ten Commandments. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. And the key thing at the verse 2 says this, they break all bounds. They tear away all fetters. They break all chains. Now, one would think that would be a good thing, to be liberated. But it's not in this situation. It's not in this context. What this says, when it says that they break all bounds, that means all of God's laws, all of God's commands, all of the truths that God has presented to them of what is right and what is true and what is life and what is love, they have thrown those away. They have broken the bonds of obedience to God. And in their sin, they think they are free. We see the same sin of the temptation to Eve. Remember what the serpent said? If you eat of this, you'll be like God. You'll be like God. So that's what we've seen here. The people have thrown away any bounds or any obedience to God. 
we see this in Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This statement of Hosea 4, verse 1, There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. That same statement for Israel could be said for every one of us until God makes us alive in Jesus Christ. Remember the whole key theme of Advent. I've preached lots of different Advent, Advent sermons over the years, and I've had different themes. Some themes have been, we are the light of Christ. That's a nice theme. Other themes are, by grace we have been saved. That's a good theme. But for some reason, my prayers and studies, this year's theme for Advent is, we are Gomer. And by God's grace, he takes us back. He takes us back. He buys us out of our slavery. He forgives us of our sins in his son, Jesus Christ. And he brings us to dwell with him. And even though we have been so unfaithful, we see where God comes and he embraces us and pulls us in in the most tender love and care. So we see the consequences of this for the land. In verse 2 it says, it shows where they're breaking all the Ten Commandments. So verse 3 shows the consequences. Therefore the land mourns. This is just like Genesis. Remember Adam and Eve fall into sin and then the curse is shown in all of creation. So here we see the curse is found everywhere. The land mourns and it affects the animals and everything. And then verse 4, you have this powerful statement. It says this, Yet let no one contend and let none accuse, for with you is my contention, O priests. Uh-oh. God is naming names. And here we see where God is focusing in on the leadership, the very priests who are supposed to teach the things of God and lead people in the true worship of God. But rather than that, they have bent their knee and burned their incense and offered prayers to Baal and to other false gods and idols in the area, as we saw with the two golden calves. So God is turning his attention to both priest and both prophet who rather than serving the one true God have served themselves and led people into error and destruction. Verse 5. You shall stumble by day. The prophet shall stumble with you by night. We see where the priest and the prophets of the people of Israel, because they have led the people into darkness and led people to stumble over idolatry and sin, that they will eventually stumble in God's judgment as he brings that against them. And that's where it focuses on verse 6. There is no knowledge of God in the land. Not only have they forsaken and forgotten God's commands, but they have forsaken and forgotten God himself. They have removed God from their hearts, from their minds, from their speech, from their life, from their culture, 
from their nation, and you're seeing the effects of that for the people of Israel. In verse 8, it talks about the prophets and priests. They feed on my sin, on the sin of my people. They are greedy for iniquity. You see the same metaphor in Ezekiel, and you see it in Jeremiah. And it's where God says that these shepherds, the king, the priests, and the prophets, were to be shepherds to lead God's people to truth, to bind up their wounds, to take care of them, to be God's presence of God's love and tenderness and holiness to them. But rather than these shepherds, the kings and the prophets and the priests taking care of the sheep, what have they done? They have fed on the sheep rather than provided for them. They have allowed wolves and wild animals to come in to scatter and destroy the flock and they have fled and preyed on the weak and the innocent rather than to be a good shepherd like what we see in Jesus Christ. That's why God says in verse 7 that He will change their glory. They were glorying in their own immorality and He will change that to shame. We saw, starting with Jeroboam, the unfaithful king who rejected the knowledge of God. We see here unfaithful priests who reject the knowledge of God. We see unfaithful prophets who reject the knowledge of God. Jeremiah 6 is another parallel passage that speaks powerfully to this. For from the least, this is Jeremiah 6, 13. For from the least to the greatest of them, Everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Again, in Jeremiah 23, verse 11, he says, Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. And then in Jeremiah 23, verse 16, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesied to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. That's how false and twisted the prophets, the priests, and the kings of Israel have become that they said, you do whatever feels good to you and there will be no consequences. There will be no judgment. There will be no repercussions. You just do and you just be whoever you want to be and whatever you feel, 
And that is just great. There's nothing different today. There's nothing different today. You see where God's word is living and active and speaks to the condition of every heart, of every time, of every person, of every culture, in every situation. So Hosea 4, verses 1 through 9, lay a stark picture. The kings of Israel have failed them. The priests have failed them. The prophets have failed them. And the people of God have failed God. They have forsaken and forgotten His commands, and they have forsaken and forgotten God. But that is not the end of the story. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Let's turn there. So what is God going to do? What's he going to do? The kings have failed him. The prophets have failed him. The priests have failed him. The people have forsaken and forgotten his commands. They've forsaken and forgotten God. What's he going to do? John chapter 1. Let's take a look here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So there's Hosea chapter 4. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. They had forsaken God and forsaken God's commands, yet his own did not receive him. But verse 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us that's what god did that's what god did 
God did what we could not, would not, had no desire to do. God sent his son. He sent Jesus Christ to be the king, king of kings, the true king who will lead his people in the truth and will speak of God's kingdom and set them free from sin. God sent his son to be the true priest, the high priest, who is not only the priest, but is the sacrifice, the sacrifice himself to take away our sins. Remember what John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus will come to be the true priest. Jesus will come to be the true prophet, the true one to speak the things of God, to lift up God, to lift up the gospel, to show God's love and truth and display it so perfectly on the cross to draw all men to himself. Hosea 4 speaks of God's judgment and Hosea 4 speaks of how God is going to fulfill and do what God's people could not do. He will send a king. He will send a priest. He will send a prophet. And he will send his son to take on flesh, to bear the sins of his people, to bear his just wrath so that his people can truly, finally, eternally be set free. That's the good news. We do not have to die with lack of knowledge anymore. Jesus Christ made it clear. Know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Let us go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you We thank you that you would send your son, Jesus Christ. To take on flesh, to dwell amongst us. To be the prophet. To speak your truth. To live your truth. To proclaim your word. To be the priest, perfect and holy, who is also the sacrifice, the lamb who was slain to take away the sins of your people. And Father, we thank you that your son Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will come again. How we long for his appearing. So, Father, we thank you that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you give us your word so that we will be able to know you. You give us those who will teach us and guide us and lead us in your word and your truth. Father, we are so grateful. Father, we pray that you will just guide us ever closer to you. And remind us that you are our all in all. 
in Christ's wonderful name. Amen.